In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. My fellow podcast listeners, we are here to talk about my fellow Americans with special guest... Kevin Mosteller. Yeah! Yay! So, Kevin, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So, I am a uh, screenwriter and filmmaker. Uh, work primarily in the horror genre. Uh, we we have common friends in the improv field. Mm-hmm. I came from comedy originally. And, uh, yeah, we've just been just making small horror pictures here and there and trying trying to get... <laughs> Trying to get bigger budgets for him. That's great. Uh, Do you want to talk... This uh, episode will come out in a couple of weeks. Do you want to front porch this with information where people can go to find your latest project? Or do you want to do that? Uh, We can. Unfortunately, our our project will be premiering uh, before this podcast lands. Right. But then afterwards, people uh, can go online and like and favorite and do all those things, right? Yeah. At some point, uh, my company, Borderline Criminal Productions, which is uh, on Instagram under that name. You can find us there. Um, We've got one film in the festival circuit called swipe left that's that's making its rounds right now it'll be <laughs> online uh probably by the end of the year i'm hoping mm-hmm. so it's got to do its little festival circuit run before we can put it on they have they have rules about those things so of course well so we're going to be talking about a movie today that's pretty far away from the horror genre yeah so that's why i was honestly surprised that when i posted asking like who do i know who's super into this movie that the response Really, the most positive response was from you and a dude who lives far away and is therefore complicated to film with. Or record (laughs) with, excuse me. So, tell me how you first saw My Fellow Americans. So, My Fellow Americans, for me, was like a video store find. Uh, My dad was a huge Jack Lemmon fan growing up. Uh, You know, like, oh gosh, what is the name? What's... what's Glengarry Glen Ross? Glengarry Glen Ross, and then also... um, God, the one with Marilyn Monroe. What? Oh, Sun Like It Hot. Jesus. Uh, I was wow. just talking about that yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That was, I, I don't know why that was such a hard pull for me. That's a, that's a shame on me. I, I was, was it yesterday? I don't know. I was just talking about it with, uh, because of the ending, where it's, uh, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Because, oh, it was at my writing's group, because we were talking about it as a good ending for a, a sketch that I've got. And they're right. But Sun Like It Hot's a fun movie. Oh, absolutely. Still, holds up. It's oh, hilarious. absolutely. And Jack Lemmon also... A terrific performer, yeah. basically everywhere. Absolutely, almost everything he's in, he shines. And uh, I, I'd say that for all the actors in this movie: James Gardner, mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd. I mean, John Hurd. It's such a small role, but holy crap, he yeah. shines! Like there's a there's a lot of fun in this movie. And the the some of the performances that you don't think are going to be amazing turn out to be amazing. Like uh, what is her name? Jenny, the yeah. the wife of the the poor couple. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that monologue is fantastic. Where she goes, no, no, we welcomed you into our home. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking, actually. Oh my god, that poor woman. Yeah, it's it's you don't see that one coming. No, you and don't. That's what makes it so amazing. Exactly. And I, I feel like uh, this is definitely a movie from a different time. Yes. Like, such a different time. Which is interesting, because part of the reason why I picked this movie is because the way I first saw this movie was also kind of a, not strictly speaking, a video store find, but it was a random thing I found on Netflix. Mm, okay. I think when Netflix was still doing DVDs, and I was like, Dan Aykroyd and Jack Lemmon, so, I want to watch that. Yeah. And so I sat down and watched this, and I basically heard 
nothing about it since then. This isn't a movie that comes up. One of the people who had commented on it was my posting about this on Facebook was the first public acknowledgement they had of this movie, and it was their first convincing of themselves that it didn't just exist in their brain. (laughs) And that's kind of true about this movie. It doesn't really exist in pop culture, which is a shame because it's interesting. It it really, I mean, now it almost stands as a time capsule. It's like, like you look at it and like, wow, presidents used to be civil, sort of. I mean, sort of, you know, rivalry, but man, it's not like... uh, not like today. And, no. And uh, one thing to me that really stood out was like this was made, what, 1996, right? That's so, information I should have, yeah. Yeah, 1996. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it was pre, uh, pre-Clinton scandal. So right. at one point in the movie, they mentioned the only way they can get you know, President Haney out of office is if he resigns or, or if he's assassinated. They don't even mention impeachment. Like, that mm-hmm. wasn't even a part of the national conversation at that point. Because it was like, it would take something like Richard Nixon. Yeah. Is, oh, my God. Such a huge, like... Although, Clinton was impeached and stayed in office. Yeah. So, even even if impeachment, that's no guarantee. That is that is very true. That is because very true. Even for Nixon, he was impeached, but he resigned before the impeachment process was complete, right? Right. He his his thing was he he I, you know I'm guilty, but I'm not letting you convict me. That's I'm right. out of here. <laughs> and, that, and then Ford acquitted him. That was what I found particularly interesting. Like we basically just have like the caricatures of a Democrat and a Republican, right? This dude cares too much about money. This dude's a philanderer. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah, he, he kind of a loose cartoon of what Kennedy would have grown into, I guess. I think so. You Even know. Bill Clinton, though. Oh, yeah. Like, it felt a little bit like George Bush, Bill Clinton, but like character aspects, caricature it, aspects of them. Exactly, yeah. The kind of doddering old family man who was yeah. very, you know, back when Republican meant fiscal responsibility. To right. To the point of where he's making notes on every cent spent. And right. And that's, that's a huge plot point. Which, frankly... Like, that is a Republican ideal that has been long since abandoned, but right. that's kind of a good... It's government spending, and you got to track government spending and make sure that every penny is accounted for. Exactly. I actually agree with that. I don't agree with anything else Republicans have ever stood for, <laughs> but yeah. that one I agree with. I'm a bookkeeper, for God's yeah. sake. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, you, it's something that... It's an art that has been lost in politics. <laughs> but I mean, like, if it, if you are, if people are putting their money into the federal government, there should be a record of what that money is used for. Exactly. And that's not an unreasonable thing to think. No, absolutely not. The extreme to which he took it is comical. And obviously, he's the crazy person who takes all the alcohol out of the minibar and then refills it with water. Right. He's the super type A, like, yeah. you know. But I think it worked for his character... In terms of like, this is a caricature of, a, this is what the ultimate Republican president would be, right? Absolutely, yeah. Like, just conservative to the point of penny pinching, mm-hmm. you know? There, there's that scene in the burger joint where he's like, you want $5 for a $2.99 hamburger? That, that's just like the Democrats, always borrowing five bucks for something that costs two ninety nine. Yeah. That is such like a <laughs> a Republican line. That... There were so many of those, but that was the one that stood out the most. That yeah. was a good, good pull. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm born 88. I grew up in the 90s a little bit, but I still kind of have that aspect of, because I mean, the vice president, the got, vice president, Ted Matthews. Yes. Good white guy name. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's basically the uh, Dan Quayle 
Yes. He's just the dummy VP. Yep, right down to like mispronouncing words and Yeah. That's that super... it's a great tagline of his. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's they never knew it would be me, but it, all of my dumbness it was just a facade. And then they just look mm-hmm. at him, he turns and walks away, no one corrects it. Oh, I love Brilliant. it. Brilliant. It's so good. Brilliant ending. <laughs> it really really is. <laughs> but that doesn't exist anymore because it existed a little bit with Oh man, I'm completely blanking on Obama's VP's name. Oh, now. Biden. Yeah, it existed yeah. a little bit with Biden. They had that kind of bromance going where he'd yeah. mispronounce something every now and then, mm. or, you know, whoops, ha ha ha. But Oops. with Cheney and with Pence, you kind of get like that sinister guy in the background who's there to take over should anything happen. <laughs> yeah, they're both essentially Emperor Palpatine. Exactly. If you pull from Star Wars. I mean, like they're, I don't see why we shouldn't. Yeah, okay. Well, fair. Then they're both Emperor Palpatine. They're just, they're just waiting for their moment to execute Order 66. <laughs> <laughs> Another uh, good pull. Now we're referencing bad Star Wars movies. Oh, well, no. look, there are concepts that work. <laughs> It's just the execution that was bad. Exactly. Exactly. But then, so then how does this work? So we've got a comedy about politics. And political comedies, as of late, don't really exist. Like, when I was looking at my writer-director, really the best ones we have recently are Veep. Yeah. And Death of Stalin. Wow, Death of Stalin, that's a good pull. I, I actually have not seen that one. Neither but, have I, uh, but I wanted to. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the, the what was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the the drive and the availability, less so. Which is kind of, I mean, in a weird way, a message about how far we've come from this era mm-hmm. where we can sit in a theater, despite your bias, despite whoever you vote for, right? You can still watch a movie about a Republican and a Democrat. They're both fish out of waters. They're both, yeah. you know, bumping up against each other. And it's hilarious. Whereas now it, that it, it doesn't just, quite work. I feel like too many people would get upset if you tried to mm-hmm. pull because something it'd be, like that. Because it would be normalizing people who are actual villains. Exactly. Exactly. And in a way, it's it's it would almost be a villain movie like from, yeah. from start to finish. And there wouldn't be any redeeming <laughs> anything about any characters. And, and like to me, the really, really funny part, just watching it, and then mind you, it's probably been 20 years since i've seen this movie i watched it this week for the specifically for this podcast but it's been probably 20 years yeah and watching it again with that much space in between good god the the scandal in the movie that they're going after is is basically an embezzlement scandal right it's, right it's or, or uh, yeah like a payoff. kickback yeah. yeah kickback that, uh, and that's, that's like, basically nothing. Now. Yeah, that's like small potato. Yeah, and that that happens every day now. And... Yeah, <laughs> we basically like take that for granted. Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah. Or to the point where it's like it's become established as like a thing that happens. I mean, that's what super packs are, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't remember what the Koch brothers make their money from, but I bet it's something like this. It's pretty much yeah, essentially pretty much you know kickbacks yeah. and grants and and they just little how you do's. Yeah, you know? I mean that's basically. The political process. Yeah. And... I feel like we're all just more aware of it now. Which is better. It's better, but it doesn't stop it from happening, unfortunately. (laughs) And there's something to be said for even the 90s wasn't necessarily a time of people being completely free of 
free of blood from their hands. Oh no, they're they're dirty. They're just yeah. I mean, like hiding it. Nixon better. was a monster. Even even Ronald Reagan, oh. did, like Ronald Reagan, was arguably worse because he was yeah uh, presentable. But then, like, would go do the terrible thing or was manipulatable. And that's the thing. Reagan was worse, I think, because he lied to your face with a, with a smile on right. his, right? Like, he, he would go on TV and everything's fine. We need to do this because it benefits me privately. But here's the way I'm going to spin it so the whole country's behind me. Yeah. Whereas Nixon didn't really have a good poker face. I feel like no. Re- Reagan did. Yeah. Reagan was out there just, you know, he was an actor, for God's sakes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so. so it's... Interesting to see in a movie like this, basically we have the ideal Republican, like mm-hmm. what we think of them as, and like this is who they should be, right. but also a char- and then a caricature of a Democrat. Exactly. But even him, I wouldn't, is kind of a little bit idealized in the sense of, no, he didn't really have any positive aspects. No, and even even like the kind of running joke throughout the movie is that his presidency was kind of a bomb. Yeah. Like he didn't, like... He even says in the first act, like, oh, man, I didn't, uh, you know, my book is about what I didn't accomplish. Right. Instead of what I w- wanted to accomplish. I right? kind of saw him as a Jimmy Carter. A little bit, yeah. Uh, a little bit. but A little bit. Or, in the sense that, like, he's a, well, I mean, it's, they're basically one-term presidents. They've got right. the one-term George Bush Sr., the one-term Jimmy Carter, essentially, mixed up, matched a little bit. Pretty much, yeah. And, I mean, if you think about it, too, it comes out in election year, so it could have been a Clinton caricature. As oh, well? It, oh, the I feel like I would never think of Jimmy Carter as a philanderer. No, no. I mean, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so either. Like, if there's anyone who's Morgan. an ideal of, like, what a good politician should be, it's Jimmy yeah. Carter, he's which a, is the tragedy. Exactly. He's, he's a philanthropist, not a philanderer. Like, well played. Like, <laughs> uh, he's yeah. still alive and he's still building houses, right? Yeah, he's in his 90s. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, if he stops, he's going to die. So yeah. He's got to keep going. Absolutely. <laughs> like, which is great because he's doing good work, you know. Uh-huh. It's not like, it's not like he's, he's out there creating evil, so. So then, let's say they were going to try to remake this movie now. What do they do? I have a pitch, but I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are before I potentially taint them with mine. So, so my thoughts are, uh, this is, this is definitely... A tough one to remake now. Yeah. Definitely one that you kind of have to handle with kid gloves, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. I think to remake this movie today, you would probably have to acknowledge the fact that there is somebody batshit crazy in the White House. Like, there... That would have to be, I mean, because the whole, the whole original plot is that, oh, we have to team up to stop this guy because he did something a little dirty and he's trying to, trying to blame me, right? I feel like now it would just be, we need to stop this guy at all costs. So, like, I, let's put aside our differences and get, and, and get to work. Right. Uh, I feel like the comedy would probably come naturally if you, you cast somebody, you know, to, to kind of play now. You would have to do it as George W. Bush mm-hmm. and Barack Obama. I yeah, mean, I feel like that's the only way you could acknowledge that in 20, 2018, right. a movie like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, rather, but again, you, you, we kind of have to ignore the horribleness, and I, I would say, kind of make it a little more zany and a little more edgy as well. I mean, I think that's accurate. Unfortunately. Like, there's, there's nothing funny about what's going on no, in the White House the right problem. now. That's... I mean, because then otherwise you get to the full point of, like, satire. But, like, everyone's made the point that, like, things that happen on SNL, things that happen in The Onion, 
those are now interchangeable with real headlines. I know. And that's the scary part is I can't tell what's real and what's a joke. Like, Yeah. So how do you make a comedy out of that? Whereas this movie was very clearly sending up like straight-laced politicians, right? Yeah. And, you know, they've got some demons in their closet. Who doesn't, right? Right. But now it's just utter chaos. But it's also and, very much the politicians. They're just like us. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it really does sometimes seem like we're living in an Onion article. And <laughs> Look, it's the darkest timeline, but we're going to do the best we can. All right. My idea that I'd been toying with, but I don't think works just as a sheer premise for the movie, was I thought it would have been more interesting if it was the person who lost the primaries and the person who lost the general election. Because one of the things hmm. that I found interesting leading up to the movie is, here's a thing. Four years later. Four years later. Four years later, three years later, right. movie. Right. Whereas if you do something where it's like kind of all happening at once, building up to something, a couple months, a couple months, a couple months, they all look the same in the movie. But, yeah. I mean, 12, 15 years have gone by. And that's, yeah, that's the jarring part about the opening of this movie is it's it starts off with a win and then four years later it's a loss and then four years later it's another lot. Like, yeah. So I did the math just out of curiosity and it looks like it takes place in 2007. Okay. Made in 1996. Got it. Because it was like a four-year term and then 2000 would have been right. um, President uh, Gardner, Dan mm. Gardner's character. And then... Then 2004 would have been start of Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Aykroyd. Yeah, and the, then that takes place three years later on his last election year, where he's going to start campaigning, right? Or not his election year on his uh, his last year before right election, which uh, is why they go through all this because it's oh well, we're heading into an election year. This kind of scandal could cost you your next term, but but yeah yeah because if it had been like year one or two, well, we can bury it by then. Sure. Sure. But no, it has to be year three. Which is an interesting that, right. they, that they did that. But also it was a bit hard to keep track because it's throwing, throwing you literally like almost 15 years into the future. Yeah. Like it, it's, it the was, technology remains exactly the same. That's what I was going to comment on too is like the world hadn't changed at all. No, no. It's definitely <laughs> – it's still 1996, which is why I was like – it would have been like in 1985. And then they still kept referencing George Bush, Reagan. Jimmy Carter, Reagan. Yeah. Referenced everybody. Yeah. Up until that, up until Clinton, yeah. So I, and then we also have the issue of how do you deal with the fact that Republicans are villains now? Yeah. They are. Yeah. Period. The end. Democrats aren't necessarily heroes. It depends on the Democrat. Right. But (laughs) it'd be interesting to have a buddy, I mean, it's basically a buddy cop movie with Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. And that would have been interesting. Or... Or, but because I don't necessarily want to watch the Hillary Clinton Ted Cruz movie. Oh God, no! no which no. is the original pitch, like the person who lost the primary and then the person mm-hmm. who lost. Because I, in my heart, I want it to be two Democrats, but it it just doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, it doesn't. I mean, even if like I mean, if you look at Hillary and Bernie left of center and mm-hmm. then center. Yeah. You know, I mean... At the end of the day, she's a centrist. Right. It's just that the the right has pushed so far right that now the center is left. That's... And and that's the thing is, uh, like, where would the comedy come from other than they have this long history together, right? Right. Like... And that, honestly, the comedy of this isn't even necessarily them bouncing their different ideas off each other. Occasionally you get the the McDonald's line or the Jack in the Box line or wherever they were. Yeah. And, but... 
it really was just these two people hate each other. Let's stick them in a room together and watch what happens. Right. The fact that it's got a political backdrop is kind of irrelevant to the comedy of the movie. It's just these two people hate each other. Ha ha ha. They're stuck together. Exactly. And I feel like, so because I'd wanted the pitch to be, well, it's a two, I want it to be two Democrats, but that it doesn't work. And especially you can't call it my fellow Americans anymore. They have to be past presidents. Exactly. To me, I feel like to moot, to, to kind of do this thing today, it would probably have to be somebody kind of old school of like, this is not what the Republican Party that I knew stood mm-hmm. for, right? So to me, that's what they would, why he would want to go yeah. stop what's going on in Washington today and why they would want to team up. Almost somebody like, and almost somebody like Ford in a way of like... A little bit, yeah. He, he's just, Republican just meant fiscal conservatism, right? Mm-hmm. Or it just meant less government intervention. You know, somebody who still holds that ideal, but isn't like complete batshit villain. Let's let's just take all the money for us and put people in camps, right? Yeah. And and I feel like, I mean, unfortunately, the subject matter isn't all that funny. But you would want to right take those two and and kind of run with them. And somebody like Bernie Sanders, who is very far to the left, right. and wants you know. So here's my pitch. I think we need to have an Obama and a George Bush type mm-hmm. obama because we should have someone like that we need a hero right you can't you can't <laughs> you can't not acknowledge make this right. movie now and acknowledge that either but also man the, the original one's pretty whitewashed too, yeah so. and i actually <laughs> stuck with that because it's it's politics in america it's right. pretty white mm-hmm. and so it's one of those rare movies where i was like well i should make more of these characters white which i almost never do on this podcast right like i was having a conversation with a couple of previous episodes like do we have any white people we've got one <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's okay. But I do think we should have a George Bush Jr. type. I agree with that. And the reason why, A, because he's stupid and that's funny. Mm-hmm. But also because I think that it, that gives you two opportunities. One, I think that the new president should be his former vice president. Ah. And that okay. way it's something that he kind of normalized this monster and kind of allowed that monster to become president Mm -hmm. and now has a sense of responsibility because well i got that guy in right so he's not as bumbling as jack lemon he does have that that kind of like yeah wow i now i in in hindsight well as bumbling as jack lemon but it doesn't come from a place of jack lemon's bumbling because you kind of see him as high status that keeps like falling down Mm -hmm. as opposed to someone like gerald ford or it's just the big dummy walking right right and even with George W. Bush, he, what does he do now? He paints pictures and they're not good? No, they're not. <laughs> I'm not sure what, I mean... But that's what that's what I think would be funny. Like, you kind of parody that, but then all of a sudden he has to come to terms with the shit that is his fault. Right. Which, I mean, we kind of all want to see anyway. Yeah. Like... <laughs> and that, that, that's what I would like to see. So I, I do think it needs to be two past presidents, but I think it needs to be the idiot Republican who made way... For the evil Republican, mm. and then the Democrat who's just like, I tried so hard. Yeah, yeah. that's not far off from my pitch too. In, cool. In that, in that, uh, I definitely had somebody who was like a George Bush type who had, you know, mm-hmm. the only way to make him redeeming. Because I mean, at the end of the day, we look at he is still a war criminal, right? Absolutely. Like, like the only way to make George W. Bush redeeming is to to kind of have him have that almost like alcoholic moment of realization of like 
I really fucked up. Yeah. Like, almost in a way, like, a religious experience. And it could even be that in, in this remake of, like, man, like, look at look at what I did. I did this. I, I need mm-hmm. to do something to stop it. And I, I feel like that's kind of where his character should come from if you're going to remake this movie today. And I, I agree with that completely. Bumbling redemption, if yeah. you know, like I mean, it, well, because one of the things that I've found interesting is, I don't remember where I heard this fact. Basically, these people are so wealthy and so privileged that they're not really in touch with the real world. Like, to the point where, recently, it's only in, like, the wake of Trump that people are finally explaining to these politicians what Twitter is and what texting is. Right. And what different things on the internet is, just because they're so out of touch and they're, like, kind of locked away in their country clubs that they just aren't aware of the things going on in the world around them. So you have to kind of break someone down, tear them away to expose them to the reality of the world. And oftentimes that's how you deal with racists anyway. You have to expose them to the realities of the world around them. Like, oh, no, these are real people. Exactly. Exactly. And... and my actions had ramifications, which I feel like in this movie, in the original movie, they did kind of wind up doing. It was I agree. with some white, white rednecks, but like... But I think that was important because I think that if they get in a car with a group of Muslim people or a group of Hispanic people, mm-hmm. you know where it's going to go. Right, right. But if they get in a car with a couple of like white rednecks, okay, we're going to have some jokes. Ha ha, isn't this funny? And then the turn is what I think makes that speech so powerful. Because we don't know it's coming. Right, exactly. We It, it certainly took me by surprise. Again, like yeah. seeing it almost for the first time. And you're me like, too. wow, I forgot about that. And like, it hasn't been 20 years since I saw it. I saw it yeah. maybe five years ago. But even still, I was just expecting joke, 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 joke. Ha <laughs> ha, oh man. Uh, stupid white people. Ha ha ha. Right. Yeah. But, but no, it fully was, cognizant. I mean, yeah. like, he was the kind of caricature of sure. these are the people on Mount Rushmore. It's a natural forming thing. Right. He's almost Randy Quaid in a weird yeah, way. In, also. in the vacation movies, right? Yeah. Like, but, but oh yeah, Randy Quaid, I thought uh Quail again. Mm. Yes, Randy Quaid. <laughs> Got it. Well they're both kinda Q uh, last names. It's all very confusing. Yeah. But somehow they're weirdly just as dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it kinda works out. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, but yeah, so we agree. I think. Yes. I'm pretty sure. We're, yeah, we're on the same page here. Great. Great. So, they kind of interact with, I'm thinking of two, but I want to make sure I'm not missing one. Two groups that they need to meet and experience in real life in order to realize that they're real people. They interact with the white poor, mm-hmm. which is analogous of all poor, but it needs to be white for them to understand. Right. Uh, and they interact with illegal immigrants, or mm-hmm. an illegal immigrant. Right. What other groups are necessary for our two people? Because rule of threes, we should probably have a third group. Because I do think those two are still important. I I, I agree 100%. Um, I think you said it earlier. I think uh, uh, somebody who's not a Christian or of the Christian faith is somebody that they would need to, to interact with. Okay. Um, How would you put that in? That, I don't know. Um, that is that is kind of a touchy situation to to tackle as a writer you want it to come from a genuine place but also mm-hmm. it's uh and actually i take that back there was a third group that they interacted with and now i remember what it is oh it, they went in the gay pride parade oh that's right they did oh, which gosh how did i forget that also works except it's also my biggest gripe with this entire movie yeah it was is pretty uh the 
deus ex machina of it all, it takes me out of the movie every single time. Yeah, I can see that. I Just can... like, there's no way that this guy would be at this parade in the middle of nowhere over here. And then suddenly he's on the right house. He's on for the shift. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It was a bit, a bit deus machina. Uh, the, uh... I would much rather rely on the humanity of the person than the, oh, I met him a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of people who have these jobs are people too. When they're going to be put in a situation like the guy who needs to pull the trigger, I want them to have those second thoughts. That's why we're hiring them. That's why they're still humans as opposed to robots. Right, exactly. Otherwise, you just have Terminator walking around blasting yeah. people. Uh, to me, I thought uh, it was the the uh, necklace that triggered him. Like, oh, it was. He's, he's one of us, right? Right. Like, so that's why he didn't do it. But I agree. It was... It was purely coincidental that he was there. (laughs) But the necklace wasn't even... The necklace was an indicator to him that, oh, it's this guy I met. Right, right, right. But the necklace didn't have any significance. It was the neck. It was this necklace will give you luck. Oh, see, I thought the necklace was. It's a symbol of like, oh, you were you're coming out. You're gay. You're like me. So I'm. I'm... No, that was the guy that gave it to him. Right. That was the guy who gave it to him. It was, he, I give this to you. Oh, I recognize the thing I gave you. Oh, see, I I I assumed it was just because I gave you this. You're one of us. Right? Yes, and so I think I'm, that's why uh, the original Dorothy gave it to him. But then that yeah. same Dorothy is the dude on the roof. Is the dude on the roof exactly? So I wanted the necklace to have significance of just I wanted the necklace to bring him luck in some way. It deflects a bullet or something like. And because he took the moment to care about this other person, mm. like uh, just like the compass, I would have loved the right. compass that Michael Pena gave to james gardner thank you yeah <laughs> <laughs> to matt douglas matt douglas yes the the whitest of uh i mean yeah ted matthews matt douglas you can't like, it was he, hard for me to tell him apart. two two first names you're a white dude yeah pretty much yeah i would have loved it if that compass was useful Yes. It's like literally this thing that I was given now has significance to me because it was something that that has value to me and oftentimes a lot of these people it needs to have value but like mm-hmm. that compass I thought was significant and that was his version of a thing the necklace was significant but it doesn't it wasn't personally significant because there's no reason why the Jack Lemon character had any idea that the necklace was seen. He had right. no idea. Right, right. Exactly. It needs, I think it needs to be used. Oh, I hear you. Absolutely. And I, that was one of the things that was disappointing at the end where the, when he pulls out the compass and it was just a reminder, a reminder, like, because they'd already decided that we're going to do this. Like, I'm going to drop this off on my way home. The, he says it and then gets in the car. And then I, I guess the compass sealed the deal for him. I, I like, yeah, I, it's kind of unfortunate because that was also a touching scene in that, like, he when he gave him his coat. And yeah, it was they, a touching scene until it ended. Yeah. It's like, they're going after that innocent guy. Yeah, but he's not us. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. You don't yeah, know that. Exactly. He's dead. Pretty much. The fact that he's not dead is irrelevant. He's dead. Yeah. If if this were real real terms, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's no, dead. Gone. Yeah. Absolutely. Not, not fourth time. Not coming back for a fifth round, I think he said. Something right? like that. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be happening today. So sure. I, I even liked them marching in the gay pride parade. I just didn't want the gay pride parade to necessarily have significance other than, hey, it's these people who don't know us but they're helping us. Right. I and I agree with that as well. And it's And honestly, it would have been enough for me to just like, oh yeah, I know some people and then they're uh they're riding the motorcycles up to the next their next stop. Right. As far as I was concerned, that's enough. Mm-hmm. I felt like they kinda missed 
an opportunity there, like we were talking about, to interact with the, like an actual member of that community, right? Because uh, we do see the point of view of both the immigrant sneaking in and the um, the second one. Goodness, uh, the poor family. Poor family. Sorry, man. We just had a long conversation about yeah. that. <laughs> so they both learn lessons from those two. This third thing, people that they interact with, um, this third minority group, if you will, they don't really learn anything. It's just kind of there for a joke. Right. And that, I felt, which is, was kind Which of, is the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. it's not now. No. 22 years later. Exactly. And I, I felt like it was underutilized. Even then, it was underutilized in that they could have learned something from that community as well. And... Uh, I feel like if we do that today, you definitely need a George Bush character to be almost as afraid as afraid of this these groups he was yeah. you know, running for his life, right? Like I, I mean, that's the whole concept of it, right? It's fear of the unknown, fear of these groups that you have no interaction with, and of course George Bush is going to be afraid right. of gay people. Mm-hmm. They're the they're the demons. They're the Republican monsters, pretty much, as yeah. they've made them out to be, and so. Other than just, like, saving their lives and then getting them on their way. I don't know what else you can do other than just, like, yeah, these are human beings. Yeah. Yeah. They're people. That's kind of, well, that's kind of what they did to the other. They humanized poverty. They humanized immigration. Yeah. They didn't really humanize, you know, it was a gay joke. That's right. that's all it was. And I, I just, I'm looking for a way to have them be humanized and have our characters learn something. Here's my pitch. They get to the the parade and they start marching the parade and the NSA guys start going after them. The NSA guys are like, all right, forget this. And they actually do order like some guys to start going in and try to take them out. And the, and the, the pride people defend the president. So they're like, you're not going to take these guys out of here. No. Mm. And they basically fight off the NSA guys. The NSA guys leave, but the NSA guys end up hurting someone. Ah. And not to the point of killing necessarily – Still comedy. Sure. But basically this pride parade protects these two people and it specifically protects the George W. Bush character, even though they have no reason to protect him. And then in turn, one is injured, injured. And so then they have to, and he has to give something of himself to kind of like, like they need a sleeve or a shirt to like tourniquet the wound. Right. Right. Something that he has to give of himself in order to like kind of recognize that this was a thing that this person did for me. Right. And I I feel like that is a that is an excellent way to handle that. And I definitely do feel like it would kind of be the the moment where his big turn, right? Like right. his big realization of I mean, if you want to spin it that like all of these people are human and I've affected right. all of them. Uh-huh. And, you know, like I really, really pissed on this community essentially and they still were willing to give their lives essentially i mean that Absolutely. didn't happen but yeah and i feel like that's a great way to to handle that that situation because it's you know like we said they're kind of these republicans are villains now and mm-hmm. i feel i feel like they need to be big lessons for him particularly yeah um which would Make it a little easier to to just have the Obama character as kind of a straight man of like, yeah, I, I know. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> that's what we've been trying to tell you. And this is yeah. what I tried to do, but then all of your friends that you appointed stopped me. 
this is what I wanted to have happen, but then I couldn't do it because of this. Mm-hmm. And that could, that could even be their big falling out, their big... And then, a, and then a drone comes up to a bomb and goes, you took my father's job! <laughs> and just a single tear, chip blows in the wind. Tear, yeah. yeah. I mean, because... Frankly, the Obama character would need to learn a lesson, too. Otherwise, it's Absolutely. not a comedy. I'm just trying to think of what it would be. And honestly, it's bringing people home from war. Uh, yeah. I, and my also, my my intonation is to go for, like, automation of war. Because yeah. there was a lot of, like, during his administration, there was a lot of, like, now we're just pushing buttons and killing people. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the big, and, that's probably the big issue with him as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like that would be one that needs to be addressed, and I feel like it could be addressed mm-hmm. with these NSA characters going after them. Like That's my, true. My pitch would be, I mean, we have these great action sequences in this original movie where, like, the NSA are chasing them down in helicopters and they're doing this. Now we have drones, and who's the one that that kind of brought drones into the military? Yeah. I mean, that, I feel yeah. like that is his big lesson of, like, on the other side of this... This sucks. Like we're we are essentially fighting Skynet. Like basically, it's uh, you know, and, and that could even be how we bring in uh, a Muslim family. Is they had to escape because their father, or their mother, or someone they knew was an innocent victim killed in a drone strike. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a great way. It could even be something like I know. I mean, this might be really reaching, but it's a. Uh, they have this facial recognition thing that they were using that sometimes didn't work right. And yeah. so they were killing the wrong people. Oh, yeah. Just because they looked kind of like somebody that they like were looking Like a dude for. in a beard and a hat. Right, exactly. I'm of the mind that, like, satire, you know, both barrels should be pointed. Absolutely. At, at everybody. If you're going to do it, it can't be, it has to be all-inclusive. Agreed. So, um, I've, and I'm not saying that we should make fun of any minority groups or anything. I just feel like trying to remake this now, you would really have to handle some of this stuff with kid gloves. Yeah. And, um, it's still a comedy for God's sakes. Like, but, but drone strikes are a big thing. And the, that facial recognition stuff that failed was, was kind of a big thing. I really feel like, uh, like that would be his big lesson. And I, I agree with that. And folding that in, I think is important. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the movie was only what ninety-two minutes. Something like I think it was uh, an hour no, forty. It was an hour forty. Something like yeah, it was one hundred and six on the YouTube yeah. link I looked at. Yeah. So we got time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay, so that brings us to our villain. I kind of think we have an idea of what we want our villain to be, but kind of what made this movie an interesting twist was we thought it was the president. It turned out it was the vice president. Mm-hmm. I think you could do that again but do that as kind of a reverse twist. And I think the vice president should be involved somehow, but I'm trying to decide if the vice president is a, what's the term when you like set someone up to, t- a fall guy. Yeah. A fall a guy for the, a patsy. A patsy for the president, or it's just the next level of evil coming to take down, like, cause like Trump's bad. Mm-hmm. Pence is arguably worse. Exactly. So, so is Pence a fall guy for Trump or is Pence the next level of evil? That's a good question. My, my pitch actually was, I mean, he, and he mentions it in the movie, is uh, that the next guy, once they pull the vice president, the next guy is the Speaker of the House. And there has been a lot of talk about this as well. Like, yeah. if we get rid of Trump and, and we get rid of Pence... You're stuck with Mitch McConnell. Yeah. That, and, and that's not good. Yeah. And to me, that's the ultimate villain. Yeah. To me, like, look at that guy's face. He is the ultimate villain. Yeah. And I feel like, 
he could definitely mastermind something weird like this and I could have it that. be absolutely 100% plausible to where it doesn't take you out of the movie at all. And then it was so interesting in the movie that the guy, that the vice president, who became president, mm-hmm. still went to jail. Right. And that's no. such a fiction. He didn't go to jail. He just resigned. No, no. The president resigned. The president resigned. The vice president, who became president, oh, I'm went sorry. to jail. I thought you were talking about, because Dan Aykroyd was originally his vice president. Um, I got oh, was mixed he? up. Dan Aykroyd was originally Jack Lemmon's vice president. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. In the beginning, he oh, you're right. he served. He's standing right next to him and you're waving right, right. and kissing babies. Uh, so apologies for that. No, you're <laughs> absolutely correct. So, yeah. So the John Hurd character goes to jail, which is yeah something that we kind of would all like to see. Now, right. I, I mean, we absolutely <laughs> would, but it's also kind of a fantasy. But then to like take out the one, two, and three, that yeah. would have to be something. I mean, I don't even know what that could be anymore. I know that's that's like like man, what dominoes is the, fall. That's, what's the scandal? Uh, yeah, that's that's the the part that I was just really racking my brain with trying to figure out how to remake this thing because there is a new scandal every day. Yeah, I mean the big one to me is who is it the Russia thing? Is it no? Because everyone knows at this point. Yeah, I know, and that's and that's the weird part is that's yeah. it. watching this movie and going oh some arms deal was ooh was the big boogeyman right like right. the big like like oh this is gonna this is gonna affect you you're you're going down man if, if this little arms deal kickback and Dan Aykroyd agrees and resigns because of it as opposed to going I'll be fine yeah don't worry about me they won't believe I can you. just lie yeah exactly so so trying to to come up with like a big plot point that would be bold enough to take down three people i mean it, it would have to be some some something pretty epic the only thing that i can think of is kind of a v for vendetta level scandal yeah like literally they killed a bunch of people but the problem is it can't just be children be immigrant children because obviously that's not enough anymore right and that's that's the thing it needs to be americans even that even like this immigrant children thing this is still a comedy that we're talking about yeah. like how do we make this funny uh i mean yeah i guess it i guess it does need to be americans so it, it needs to be something so outrageous that it's funny but slightly true like like honestly we've run out of something and so all three of these people have conspired to invade canada oh interesting See, my take would be, and now just brainstorming with you. Yeah. So the ultimate middle finger would be kind of getting our ass smacked on the world stage, right? right? So it would have to probably be some sort of military engagement that was embarrassingly bad. So, I, you know, maybe they do try and invade Canada and Canada just kicks our ass. Like, just... But not, yeah. in, not in a way of, like... We like outsmarting us and just embarrassing to where nobody dies. Or, but it could, it could literally be that. It could be the extrapolation of the drones. Yeah, it's a full drone only invasion automated. of Canada, and so Canada walks out, pushes a button, they all get EMP'd, <laughs> and now all of a sudden we've lost billions, billions of dollars, billions in technology just in the ground, gone, and. Someone has to cover for that. Right, right. 
it could be that that I feel like that would be quite the embarrassment on the world stage where we try to take out one of the most peaceful countries yeah. in the world and are immediately immediately just just smacked right smacked out of the sky. Like, so we lose a bunch of money, we lose a bunch of technology. It's it's globally embarrassing and someone has to pay the price for that. And so it was going to go to the fall guy, but now they're kind of all infighting and trying to figure something out. And then that invasion was covering up for some other scandal, which is... Right, that was the this week's look over here while we're doing this, and now we don't have a look over here. Because that's the interesting thing about these people is, especially people in the Republican Party, they're kind of put on a pedestal, and as, as many tomatoes as you can throw, you can't hit them. Right. But you hit them once, they get taken down. Pretty hard, too, which is great, but... yeah. I mean, what's the list up to this point of people who've been arrested, jailed, indicted? Yeah. Is so, it 14? Something like that. Something it's, like that. It's, not, it's a record number, though. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention all the people who are around. Right. And so it's like one of those things where all of a sudden you hit them once. Okay. So you can hit them again and again and again and again and again. And and that's that's why I'm having trouble figuring something that so big that would take the president down. Because yeah. we're losing guys left and right. Right. And... It has to be something ridiculous, but at the end of the day, you have to rely on the humanity of the people who actually are able to prosecute. Right, right. now, we can't. Exactly. Which and is that's... why, unfortunately, like when the, uh, was it the Wall Street Journal or the New, the New York Times dropped the, so here's all his tax evasion, and guys. Crickets. Just. <laughs> I was having a conversation with uh, my WGA mentor, and she was talking like, yeah, they released that the day of the Kavanaugh hearing. Of course no one was paying attention. We have other things to deal with that day. Yeah. You release it a week later when it becomes the news story, then it becomes a news story. You release it, great, it's released. You can't re-release it a week later, which they did. Yeah. It's already out there. It was already crickets, now it's old news. And it was paved over. Paved over crickets. Yeah. So. And you just can't. So it needs to be, you can't release it on a busy news day. No. And, and the unfortunate part is what day is not a busy news day anymore. So... It's a real question. It would have. It would because you keep to be... hearing about like the busy news day. All this stuff's happening. Oh, while you were all looking over there, they did this thing. Yeah, they pushed through another 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 tax, tax cut. cut. Yeah. Uh, so the climax of this movie. Uh, this movie. To... This episode comes out in a few weeks. I sure hope everyone voted. Yeah, I really hope so too. <laughs> Please, I, I hope this is something that we're looking back on and like, okay, yeah. things are starting to get better. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode because, like, I got to do something for the election related. But at the same time, I'm like. It, Will people be able to listen to this episode? It's anybody's a real guess. question. Yeah, anybody's guess at this point. Um, but I do think that the kind of climax of this movie does have to be on a world stage as well. It does. I would feel like the only way that... Like, because it wouldn't have had to be in the 90s. But right. it does now. It does now. Because like Americans were a little more like, oh, that guy clearly doesn't have our best yeah. interests at heart. He's taking money. Behind. The UN laughed at him. Right. right. Oh, Oh, we're not talking about that anymore? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Must have been a slow news day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it would have to be some level of, like, like that. But how do you how do you heighten the entire UN laughing at you? <laughs> like, where That's do we go from pretty there? pretty much the top. Yeah, I know. Like, that would be, as a, as a writer, that would be, like, okay, well, it's this big grand presentation in front of the UN. The entire world is watching and he still found a way to be like, 
Yeah, they yeah. screw it. We're gonna. It would have to be something where like the like, UN and everything that is like globally placed in like New York or something left. Yeah. And they yeah. went and they established a new home somewhere else. That's and, not a like, bad idea. A big physical representation of a shift in world power because everyone talks about how Trump is no longer the leader of the free world. Now it's Angela Merkel. Mm-hmm. Nothing got no keys got handed over. No hat was moved. Everyone right. just kind of says that. Right. But the UN is still here. Still located, yeah, in New York. But if you move it, a lot of people in the United States wouldn't care about that, but globally they would. But a lot of people in the United States wouldn't care about that. It's tough. I know. It's, it's hard tough. To, it's but hard to so, But we kind of have a sense of what we want the movie to be. Let's start talking about who we want to portray our characters. Okay. And we kind of named a lot of different people. Let's not worry about casting that. Let's just kind of cast the people we have. Okay. I don't know how many people you pulled in casting for. Uh, I I kind of went through the IMDb list, the full list, and uh, and I, I did most of them, the ones that made sense. So I did most of the big ones. I probably I skipped a lot of little ones because I was like, I don't care. Yeah. About yeah, there was a lot of minor characters which led would could potentially lead to cool cameos. Like to know? be perfectly honest, like that the female news reporter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what I know. was she for? There, that was a big one to me. I, she was so underutilized. So yeah, they could have really made a big splash. And I see what they did when they were writing. Like they they were writing for her to come in and you know kind right. of leak the news story. And then I think in the third act they were like, "But well, that's what everybody thinks we're going to do. So what we should do is this big grand thing, yeah. right? With where yeah. where these two guys go on an ad- one final adventure." So, I mean, it was fun, but man, she was really underutilized. And they all hated her. Yeah. Everyone did. Everybody. Just because she's the news reporter who tells the truth? Essentially, yeah. I mean, Which she, is good. She was kind of um, uh, Rachel Maddow. She's kind of a... She's kind of in a weird way of Rachel Maddow. Honestly, yeah. But even, like, even Rachel Maddow's a little bit overwhelmed with the things that are happening yes. in the world now. Like, Flint still doesn't have water, and that was her big thing. So even, like, breaking that news story doesn't necessarily do anything anymore. Right. Which is just great. <laughs> that actress's name was... Oh, that was oh. Lauren Bacall. No, but, uh, no. It was... Uh, Celia Ward was she, the... Lauren Bacall was... Uh, uh, Kramer's, Kramer's wife. wife. Yeah. Yes. She was Kay Griffin. Yes. Which, they didn't even say her name until the end of the movie, when they were like, I could call Kay, and then the audience They said goes, Kay a bunch. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. Maybe I missed that. Like, but it was like, oh, just Kay. Kay, Kay, Kay. Sure. And then, like, they referenced another reporter, like, I don't have a word for my favorite reporter. Yeah, uh, it's this. When you see this person, let him know I said that. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, for some reason, it didn't dawn on me that Kay was her name. Maybe they needed a better name. Uh, I don't know. She just... She was a nothing character. Yeah. I'd like to see more with her, but we're already adding enough to the movie. And I didn't recast her because she serves no plot purpose. Ah. For, in the movie as it exists now. Right, right. And especially because I think in this point, the original movie, it was all about, well, we got to uncover the thing and do the thing. Right. In our version, I think it's about the characters learning a lesson. I it, think... It would definitely have to be. Sorry. Please. It would definitely have to be about them learning a lesson, which... Kind of, I mean, if we throw in a B story somewhere of, of with with this reporter where she's kind of hot on their heels, yeah, and and could leak the wrong information, that could be interesting too. I bu- I buy it. Like she is the pawn that allows the fall guy to take the blame, right? 
Like, right. she plays into the hands of our big evil villain. Absolutely. Unwittingly. Unwittingly, Unwittingly. absolutely. But she's played too in the end. Which, yeah. Which could help our, could be a plot point for us in that way. And like, I think, and I, I actually agree with that a lot. I think that's a good idea because, like, that's kind of what's happening. It's the, the press is being used as another tool. Right. In the, in this world, the world of fake news, if you will. Basically. I, I feel like it would definitely, I mean, if you look back at Walter Cronkite, who was like the trusted yeah. face of America for like 30 years, right? Like everybody and Everyone looked, trusted him. Yeah. We don't have that today. No, because, I mean, the closest thing we have is Rachel Maddow. Exactly. But we can't trust her. She's one of the gays. Exactly. And then you take someone like Wolf Blitzer, who's just a parody of himself. Yeah. That's that's what he's become. And, and who knows what some of his interests are as well. I mean... Yeah, I mean... You never know. And that's that's the thing. If we could recast or write this character of, of Kay as like a... Uh, kind of the honest journalist who's still... Like, I still believe in, in news, damn yeah. it. Like, I still believe in reporting the truth. Even right. though it gets lost in this, like, horrible shuffle of Twitter and, like, Fox News and... You know, however people choose to report things, right? I feel like there's a strong character in there, somebody who just wants to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Good. And uh, all right, so then I guess that's something we should have when we get to that character. Don't let me skip her because I don't have her. So stop me, and we'll talk about who you have for that. Okay. Let's start with President Russell P. Kramer. President Russell P. Kramer. Today, I honestly think I would cast Dustin Hoffman. I could see that as as kind of a bum, the bumbling Republican yeah. who, you know, he has the comedic chops for it. Um, I mean, again, we're replacing a legend, Jack. Right. Lennon, right. I mean, it's tough, but I feel like Dustin Hoffman would get pretty close. For me, I kind of went another way, uh, and I kind of went the Sarah Palin route. Ah, because my poll is Jamie Lee Curtis. Nice, and because I, we need more women, and but it's, it still needs to be white. What is hell? <laughs> and so I needed someone who could kind of alternate back and forth between the competent and the bubbling, bumbling. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly honest, I kind of thought about her character in uh, Trading Places. Absolutely, yeah. And just like that kind of character aged up, like the competent, but kind of like in a kind of silly way. Right. A little, like definitely dependable, but also a little airheady. Yeah. And that, of- that, that had kind of been my idea for... That character. And that way we could kind of have... And also kind of in the back of my head, because she could do both. She could be the Sarah Palin, or she could be the Hillary Clinton, depending on which way we went with the character. Ah, I see. And I, I honestly, I think she would probably do a better job as a straight man with the Hillary Clinton kind of... Yeah. Kind of look. Uh, or kind of character, excuse me. But... Uh, yeah, but I, I like both great. of them. I mean, who do you think? Uh, man, now that you say it, I gotta go Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> okay. That's, that's a great one. Uh, I think there's a good chance we have the same person for President Matt Douglas, though, because this is our Obama character. Yes. So I uh, have. I can go first because you went first last time. All right. I had Dennis Habert. Oh, nice. the Allstate guy. Yeah. Okay. I did not. I uh, went, all right. I went. I went with Lawrence Fishburne. Ooh, interesting. How old is Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, they. I actually looked this up. They were born like five days apart. Barack Obama and really? Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Oh, for that reason, we got to go with Lawrence Fishburne. Okay, I'm sold. We're going with Lawrence Fishburne. He's great. I, I don't quote me on that. I could be off on the days. It's but, too late. It, I've already committed to it. It's great. Lawrence Fishburne's so good, and because we, we all have him in the back of my head as Morpheus, we all yeah. just kind of like we trust you. 
guide us. Please. <laughs> and also, he's got the chops to, to be funny. He's got the chops I mean, to be he's action. I mean, he's on he's blackish. Got, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's great. He can do all the things. Exactly. And that's what we need, is a president who can do all the things. Agreed. Um, I also cast a woman for uh, the Dan Aykroyd role. But for President William Haney, uh, I went with Jodie Foster. Oh, that's a good... Because pure evil, but also in a funny way. Exactly. You could be an ice queen, but yeah. in a funny way. Uh, so I, I went the uh, the really stuffy white direction. Great. That's um, probably where we'll go. And went with uh, Alec Baldwin. As, yeah. As the, the that's Haney. That's the obvious choice. Yeah. The problem is, I don't want him anywhere near a Trump impression the I entire know. movie. And I struggled with that in terms of like, if, he could ju- if we could just pull him away from the Trump impression. Yeah. And back into the character who's got... The 30 Rock Alec Baldwin? Not even the 30 Rock Alec Baldwin. More of like just some weird Southampton kind of guy. Uh, you know, rich and has always been rich. But if we're doing that, I might pick one of the other Baldwins for the role. Oh, yeah. I mean... Steven. Billy. Billy. Daniel. Yeah. So many <laughs> great options. Let's just go crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean... I don't know who the guy is who played Jane on uh, Firefly, except that he's supposed to be a real asshole. Like oh, an actual monster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, his last name's also Baldwin, but I don't remember his first Adam. name. Adam. Yeah. Adam Baldwin. Yeah, the problem is that like he's supposed to be a terrible guy, so it's like, he's, a, he's good casting for it, Yeah, but... he's definitely that kind of like Warren Oates, you know, yeah. real man's man kind of... I like the idea of Alec Baldwin. I think, unfortunately, he's tainted, but I also don't necessarily think Jodie Foster is right for what we have. Okay. Let's circle back around and we'll come up with someone else. Right. I'll think about it. Keep it in the back of my mind. Uh, for Vice President Ted Matthews, <laughs> who do you have for this? For our bumbling fall guy. For our bumbling fall guy, the great, the legendary Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Actually, he's not bad for uh, President William Haley. Haney. I struggled between choosing the two, actually. You know what? I might put Bob Odenkirk. I mean, it'd be really funny to do Bob Odenkirk, David Cross, as a one two pairing, except we can't do that. No, we can't do that. Uh, I mean, but that... I would do Bob Odenkirk as the president, uh, just as a because he's great because he can do that whole uh, Better Call Sal full evil thing. But also, Absolutely. I mean, he's old school comedian. Yep, and he he's definitely got that kind of stodgy white guy evil. Yeah, that was where I was going. The evil white guy, kind of like yeah, I'll step over you, no problem. Um, so I did battle between having. I like it. That's great. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if he was a a big enough lead at this point. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if that matters. Well, I mean, the movie as it is isn't as well-known enough movie that it needs to be this, like... I mean, I pulled a bunch of, like, all-star cast as well, but it doesn't need to be. No, okay. Like, I don't necessarily... Like, we don't need to have the Brad Pitts and the whatever. I also oh, yeah, generally no. shy away from those kind of actors anyway, because I'm like, then it's about the actor and not about the story. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, I like Bob Odenkirk. But, I, I mean, like, we need to make sure that you like my vice president, because I have Dean Winters. Oh. Mayhem. Yeah, I do like that, actually. The, the other insurance guy. And so, like, if we have our Bob Odenkirk as our kind of, like, manipulating guy, Dean Winters could totally play the kind of, like, Duns like also his character on Thirty Rock, like the kind right. of dummy, literal dummy, literal is, is yeah. thing. Uh, who you could totally see, kind of like 
going back around, but then is a total fall guy. Exactly. He he thinks he's weaseling his way up. Yeah, but... He thinks he's smart. Like, no, no, no. We're just setting you up on the tee. Yeah, exactly. Ah, yeah. All right, cool. Let's do that. Let's do it. More white guys. (laughs) Less women. The white... they would need to fall, right? I mean, yeah, of course. This is a this is an administration that hates women. Yes, absolutely. So I sure hope everyone voted. Anyway, so one of the other characters we haven't really talked about at all is Wilford Brimley. Yeah, because he was so good. He was great in this movie. Like, definitely one of my favorite Wilford yeah. Brimley performances. He was so like he handled that character so well. Um, he was so stately, and then at the drop of a hat was like ready to torture a guy. <laughs> well, he wasn't. No, I actually, I, he wasn't ready but, to. But, but I didn't realize until like I saw that's just a pin, right? And I was like, oh, I get yeah. it. And I was like, oh man, Wilfred Brimley was good in this role. Like he did a great job, absolutely. Uh, and I don't know because I remember well, the first time I, I remember there being a twist and like a oh who's the fall guy and I was like is it Wilfred Brimley? I really, yeah. It might be. I don't know. In a weird way, I'd watched that whole movie twice going like, why wasn't Wilfred Brimley the, the guy setting it all up? Because, yeah. man, he seemed to really... I could see him being in on it and being taken down as well. Absolutely. And I feel like in our version, we might need that. I think so. Because I think that's important, too. Even playing field, right? Yeah. In this remake, we got to have some Republicans fall and some Democrats fall. And we always talk about how, like, the whoever the head of the DNC is right now, whose name I always forget. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, and, like, how there was a moment where he was like, well, if one of the Democrats has to vote for Kavanaugh, it's not the end of the world. And everyone was like, no! Yeah, it is the end of the that world. That is the end of the world! Oh, my God! Yeah, exactly. And he just still did... Uh, because he, he's another rich white guy who just doesn't get it. Yeah, because he probably is another Kavanaugh. He right. probably is that guy. Like, no, I don't see any problems with what he did. Like, and that's the problem is those are the people in yeah. there now. <laughs> so that's also the problem. Yes. So that leads to my casting for Wolf Brimley. It's a guy who now is the exact same age as Wolf Brimley when Wolf Brimley played that role. I know, right? But now, but I mean, you would never know just looking at him. <laughs> Because Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise is frozen in time. Yeah. <laughs> I went with this specifically for that joke, just because the whole big joke right now is, oh, well, Tom Cruise is the same age Wolf of Brimley was when he was in Cocoon, and look at them, look at the difference. Man. You but know, also, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I guess, uh, I mean, Tom, Wolf of Brimley wound up being the spokesperson for diabetes. Right. And... Tom Cruise is jumping out of airplanes. And is the spokesperson for um, <clears throat> other, other things. Uh, the important thing is, uh, we also are love Hollywood and the establishment and would like to succeed in it. Yeah. Hooray. All of it. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> what did we do? But that's kind of the joke. So, like, right. I don't know if he would get it, but he's kind of the face of kind of a smiley establishment, but also could also be darker. And Tom Cruise only plays the good guy. Yeah, very rarely. So I could totally see him being the one who was like, okay, yeah, he's the good guy. He's on our side. He He's not. We don't care. He doesn't care. It's just about staying in power. It's not really matter who's at the top of the chain just as long as he's in the chain getting fed. Exactly. And and Tom Cruise definitely has the face to do it. Yeah. Right? He has that kind of weaselly Paul Ryan look to him, if played right. Right. If played correctly. He could definitely kind of... You could see him throwing you under the bus in a second. Just the the 
perfect level of charisma and smarminess. Yes, and we are talking about him as an actor. This is you have great acting skills. We don't think of yes, you in this. Everyone real. we know who's ever met you says nothing but positive things, and you remember them forever, <laughs> which is both charming and terrifying. I agree. I mean, I really hope I'm not on that list. Yeah, right. Who did you have for uh, Joe Hollis? So for Joe Hollis, I went with um, somebody who could be equally as as smarmy, but also is probably the same age and shows it. Um, I went with Danny DeVito. Oh, interesting. Why? Well, why for me, uh, he has this great turn in um, in some some mostly the movie Death to Smoochie, if you've ever seen that. A long time ago. He has this great turn where he gets you on, you know, just has that bullshit salesman kind of spiel, gets you on his side. And to me, in this movie, the only purpose, in the original one rather, the only purpose that Wilford Brimley had was to set the lead on his journey. Uh, I can see that. I you think you're right. you don't see him for a while, which is why I thought natural conclusion yeah. that he would come back and be kind of the mastermind of it right to which danny devito kind of has that that smarmy like you know yeah man you should really do it for the party you should really you know the party will definitely consider you if you you, you know pursue this <laughs> and then wind up being the guy behind the whole thing i can see that or being involved in the whole thing because he definitely has that he definitely has that uh that kind of look to him and that demeanor of like yeah, he'll he'll turn on you in a hat, uh, stab you in the back, and, and have no problem with it whatsoever. I think that if it's Danny DeVito, though, we kind of have come to expect that, especially after eleven some years of uh, Always Sunny. That's true. I didn't take Always Sunny into consideration, and yeah. you kind of can see him as that character who, hey, I'm Danny DeVito, shank, shank, shank. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Okay, yeah, I'm I'm sold with Tom Cruise. Absolutely, it's not as not as a much of a home run as uh, or Danny DeVito is not as much of a home. I run. mean, I love Danny DeVito. I think that he's great for a lot of things. I just in a in a place like uh, DC where it's all about looking like John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Oh, he would thrive, and he would definitely be an excellent villain if he went. If yeah. he took this the turn of he's the guy masterminding it all. I mean, he would basically be the person that his character as the penguin wanted to be. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I can see that. But, but the problem is we've, we've, we, 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 we know too much Danny DeVito. Like I saw, um, I saw the usual suspects for the first time. Okay. Within the past year or two. And it was one of those things where having seen it for the first time, I knew who Kaiser Soze was right away. Right. Right. Cause it's been just so yeah, kind of, he's had too many roles since then. Yeah. So Not anymore. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, but. good. Let's talk about uh, Kay Griffin. So for me, like we discussed, I feel like there was a missed uh, opportunity with her in, you know, a potential B story of her chasing a story, being the, the only person kind of on this journey of truth. And uh, in that, I feel like somebody with some good comedic chops would be perfect, and so I chose Maya Rudolph. As, oh, as uh, this yeah, kind of great minor character who's funny and but also real good at getting at getting the dirt. Yeah, know? Maya Rudolph is 
really picking and choosing the things that she does recently. Right. And it's been really... I mean, obviously, she's amazing in The Good Place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But she's all... Like, even if it's a silly project, she's always good in whatever it is she's doing. Yes. And I think Maya Rudolph would actually be really, really good at this role. Uh, I, yeah. She definitely would shine. And... Um... Especially in something as absurd of chasing as chasing after two presidents across the country, yeah. right? Like, I mean, uh, I'm, we we haven't really established what the you know points would be, but I feel like that would be a fun game of cat and mouse of them not only trying to evade this reporter that they've right. kind of evaded their entire careers, but now also she needs to become an ally right at the end. And it's it's hard to break that old habit of trying to dodge the press. Exactly. And I think I think Maya Rudolph is. A really smart choice for that. Cool. I like that a lot. Great. Colonel Paul Tanner. <laughs> the crazy guy who, like, halfway through the movie is like, I'm going to definitely be the one that kills them. Yes. The guy I pulled is an actor named Cary Payton, who you may not recognize. I am not familiar with him. He is on The Walking Dead, which I don't watch, but he's a good, he's a good scary guy. But no, at I the see. same time... He's also the voice of Cyborg and Teen Titans Go. Oh, really? Okay. And he does a lot of voice acting, and so he's also, like, clearly a fun person, because he's like, Cyborg, 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 Cyborg. And he's, like, he's in a movie called Little Bitches, and he's just... He basically is, like, Cyborg in a bunch of different things. And he's in Big Hero 6, and he's in The Lion Guard, and I, I think that he's someone who looks scary but can also be fun. So I think because he's... The main henchman, I think he can look really scary, but also be really fun in our movie because the whole point of our movie is that, like, Tanner is the person who is, is the one person in the movie who looks scary. Right, right. And is scary. Exactly. He's He was a pretty one note, but it was also, right. like, he's just he's just here to kill. Yeah. Like, that's what he wants, right? Like, he, want, he wants this to... He wants to be the one to bag them. Yeah. And, like, and I'm not even sure if it's for the accolades of doing so i think it's just to just to do it yes the the kind of thrill of the challenge or thrill of the hunt if you will and i think yeah exactly and i feel like since we kind of have that in the lead villain yeah in our bob odenkirk right i feel like we can get a little bit more levity out of our uh enforcer absolutely so that's why i picked him but Obviously, I'm open to other ideas. Go ahead. Understood. Uh, for me, I, I chose somebody who was, I mean, kind of a, I, I guess, would be a direct descendant of the original actor in, in terms of looks and one-note uh, comedic assassins and chose Jason Statham. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Would he, what kind of accent would he be doing? Uh, I, th- I think he would, just in for purposes of, of this movie, would try to do a southern accent try, try to bring it a little a little a little more terrifying if you will a little more because i don't think it could be a uh, british no. and work that high up in american secret service no no i i do really think that he he should definitely have some sort of southern kind of drawl not necessarily fully hiding his voice but to, i feel like in a movie like this the audience needed would need a, a recognizable face there um, and I did have like a couple. I had like multiple choices, and I just for him it, specifically for this character specifically. Okay, tell me who your other ones were. So my other ones were, and going back and forth depending on like who we wound up making our leads being. Um, I, I Keegan Michael Key was one. Yeah. Uh, Craig Robinson was one. 
Which... Remind me. Craig Robinson, uh, the uh, big African-American fellow from... Uh, he was in um, Pineapple Express. He's in... Uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, the, the, the Pontiac office. Bandit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Craig Robinson's great. Yeah. I can't see him murdering anyone, but he's great. Well, that's the charm of it, though. He kind of bumbles his way into into murdering him. You know, it, it really depended on who uh, who wound up... Who we wound up with for our leads. Yeah. All right. Stumbling over my words there. I like Craig Robinson a lot, but I don't think we can use him. Well, have you ever seen Pineapple Express? Yes. The His character there kind of sold it for me. Where, like, I don't want to kill you, but I'm going to. Like, that was kind of fun. And I mean, that was one of many. I, think I like Jason Statham better as a, as a pull just because he's the person who's like, I got this high up in the NSA and the whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I got the job done. Right. And he definitely feels like that one note, like, almost yeah. like Schwarzenegger-esque, like, just killing machine. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like I like both him and I like Carrie Payton, and I don't know who the deciding factor should be. We'll flip a coin on that in a second. Let's All keep right. going, because basically, the person that I think it should be, depend on how they're going to be interacting with the Carl Wittenauer. Because basically, the two of them are the people who spend the most time interacting. Right. Uh, and it's, I feel, feel like we will decide based on who we have for our Carl Wittenauer. Uh, I went first for Tanner, so go ahead for Wittenauer. For Wittenauer, for me, I chose somebody who I feel was equally as smarmy. I mean, again, Bradley Whitford's hard to recast. Yeah, Bradley Whitford's tough. But, um, and, and he may have too much visibility now, but I feel like Jason Bateman would have been a good... I can see that. A good choice for Wittenauer in that... He he is very smarmy and weaselly, and yeah. uh, he plays that character very well. And uh, in in a, I'm assuming big budget remake of that, he, he he's kind of the natural guy you go to. I can see uh, that. My pull was because I because Bradley Whitford's such an interesting choice because he has West Wing, yeah, and this and the, and like the Adam Sandler movies. So right. he, he goes back and forth between being like. The smart guy who knows what he's doing, he's got this, don't worry about it, to being, like, pure evil. Exactly. <laughs> that it's hard to pull that. So I pulled someone who, I'm not aware of him ever playing a role where he's pure evil. Hmm. But I also still wanted that West Wing credential. Ah. Okay. So I went with Dulé Hill. I'm not sure who Dulé Hill is either. Dulé Hill was kind of the young assistant on West Wing who was dating the daughter. Oh, and he was also the yeah. buddy on Psych, right? Yeah, he would be really. And he... so I could see him being both duplicitous while also kind of managing the dumbness, right? And you and you would need somebody who's kind of looks a little, yeah, because he needs to be the right hand man to an insane person, right? And that's what he is on Psych, different kind of insane person, exactly. But yeah. And so that's kind of what I thought. So I kind of like the idea of it being Dulé Hill just because he can he presents someone who's all together, mm-hmm. but you could totally see him losing his shit. Yeah, uh, almost at the drop of a hat. Right. Exactly. And so that that's kind of why I wanted to pull him. So that that's my pitch for that. So Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's go with that. I just... So if that's who we have for our Wittenauer, who do you think would be a good pairing opposite him? If he is the right-hand man for... Bob Odenkirk, who's Dulé Hill's right-hand man. Is it going to be Carrie Payton, or is it going to be... Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Carrie Payton. Okay. I'm going to go with that. All right. 
Um, Jason Statham would be good for visibility, uh-huh. but but he like you know he is. I think Jason Statham would be the right choice if we eliminated the Wittenauer role. Yes, agreed. agreed. So that's an interesting question. Do we want to have Dulé Hill carry Peyton, or do we want to eliminate both of those and replace it with Jason Statham? Mm-hmm. Keep I, in mind, we would be eliminating two black dudes, replacing it with a white dude. Right. That's why I was. <laughs> that's why I was just gonna go with the our uh, combination for Wittenauer and uh, Tanner. Because I I do feel like those two like you can't have one guy just kind yeah. of doing running that whole show and I feel like the two of them would probably pair right. well together. I think they almost. would too. The other thing is that I have no idea who Trump's right hand man is. Yeah, I'm, I I'm not sure. I either. mean, it, for a while it was uh, Steve Bannon. Yeah, for a little bit. But I don't know who knew Steve. I don't know who knew Steve Bannon is. I don't know either. It, That's it's, terrifying. It is. <laughs> I mean, especially if it's that guy, the the scary guy who's basically behind all the child internment camps. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Miller. Yeah. Steve Miller. Yeah, man. Just a bunch of Steves. Just a bunch of yeah, pretty much. The, you could throw a dart and hit a Steve in that room. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that guy's terrifying. Yes, because he's what 25, 27? Yeah, he's he's and young, he, and, and you he's... clearly can see just pure evil. Mm-hmm. Almost in the same way of like that silent kind of stoic Jared Kushner, yeah, evil way as well. And I know he's not the direct right hand man, but he's another one that's like there's. It's one of those people who just got pushed around, pushed around, pushed around, mm-hmm. snapped. Is going to take it out on everybody. Yep, exactly. That is who that person is. Is I am now in a seat of power. Guess take what? Take this, everyone else. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's our government right now, essentially. Yay. Yay! Vote. I hope you voted. I hope everyone <laughs> voted. I really hope everybody voted. That brings me to Wayne and Jenny. Okay. Am I missing anyone in government? Uh the 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 defense contractor was the one that. We, oh yeah, that the guy who was killed right away. Yeah, he's. Who do you have? For me, I, I mean, just because we cast everybody, I just put Bruce Campbell in there because I thought he would be, <laughs> he's a great, uh, you know, kind of businessman uh, who would definitely play the, the, yeah, I sold you out. Of course, the horror guy casts Bruce Campbell. Well, yeah, I have to plug him into everything somewhere. Like, <laughs> he's our hero. You don't understand. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying he's not great. I'm sorry, man. Hey, back off, man. It's Whoa. fine. All right. Hang on. Let me put the chainsaw down. All right. Where were we? Did you have somebody for him? Or no, no, not... I didn't. I was oh, like, okay. eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well. I mean, that, that character is important because having someone killed immediately next to where the president was is amazing. I just didn't care who the actor was. Right, right. I didn't. I had to look him up. I, I probably would have cast, like, if I was to pull someone, I would have cast whoever the guy is who plays uh, uh, Ted Danson's boss in The Good Place. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just a kind of just white guy. Yeah, yeah. But Bruce well, Campbell's more fun. He's exactly because you I, think he's going to be a bigger character, and then he gets killed, and you're like, "Oh man, uh, stuff's happening now." Didn't see that coming, right? Uh, and also, I feel like some of these roles could have fun visibility for yeah. somebody bringing on for you know and, a supporting and role. His show was canceled. We he needs more work. He does. He really does. He's trying to help a brother out. Absolutely, that's what I'm doing. And I respect that. <laughs> Uh, good. I, I like Bruce Campbell. I think that's fun. Cool. So let's talk about uh, Wayne and Jenny. I kind of have them as a twofer. I, okay. I pulled two different people. I'm perfectly happy mixing and matching with whoever you have or just going with whoever you have. But who I have for Wayne and Jenny is I have Oliver Platt. Oh. Who. Yeah. I, I can't say where I know him from. But every time I see him, I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Oliver Platt's almost. He was like 
the face for the 90s, man. He yeah. Was, he was in, like, everything. And I went with people who are probably about 20 years older than the original um, actors who played Wayne and Jenny. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I did that, but I think it was something along the lines of, well, the parents aren't really around anymore. We have to take care of them. But we had to get a job. We got fired. It was this whole thing. And it's, like, an extra layer of sadness. Right. Or, like, their kids were killed over their kids were killed overseas in in a war mm-hmm. and so the grandparents had to take over and by so that's a drone yeah like they were friendly fire casualties by a drone yeah and so that way it's something that could involve everybody so i had oliver platt for wayne and okay. then i had ann dowd for oh, wow. jenny okay and uh, i can see that and, absolutely and she's a couple years older than him but it doesn't matter yeah uh and if anything it's better that way yeah to take that society um (laughs) her big resurgence recently is in like the handmaid's tale okay but yeah i remember her in garden state really well i i saw that but i didn't remember who she was in garden state yeah it's gonna be a minute for me to pull that oh she's in hereditary too (laughs) well now i'm gonna look up who she is in garden state because i mean both of them have been acting for forever right olivia in garden state okay i don't know what that means i just you know i don't even so when I say I remember well, I remember seeing her. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't really remember Garden State. She's There's the one who's nothing like, super memorable. I made you a shirt. You should put it on. <laughs> and it's like just the wallpaper. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe. 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 Let's assume Could that's her. Let's just it's go with it. It's probably not. Nope. But... Maybe she's the one living in the trailer by the giant hole in the ground. We don't know. It could be anybody. It really could be at this point. But considering um, that this is 14 years ago and she, that would be when she was 48... I'm going to go with the ant in the shirt. Probably. I don't remember the movie well enough. I don't either. It's been I, it's been probably 14 years. Yeah, yeah something like something that. Something like that since I've seen it. Uh, anyway, that being said, she's perfect for this role. Well, I mean, I don't know. Who do you have? Uh, for me, I went a little younger. Um, Which might also be better. Who's... I, for me, I want... Harder to mix and match. Uh, so I pulled some people from SNL. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I thought a little younger who had... Just a hard time getting started in life, period. Uh, student loans, crushing debt, right? Kind of modern problems. So I went with uh, Bobby Moynihan and A.D. Bryant from SNL. Okay. I can picture Bobby Moynihan. I don't know why I can't picture A.D. Bryant. Oh, right. Okay. She comes up a lot. Everyone, I don't really watch SNL anymore, but everyone who I talk to who references her always says how amazing this actress is yeah she she is really has a great range i i respect what she can do her character work on snl is usually pretty broad but it's kind of what we need on on this right and i think especially for the two of them to all of a sudden have this dramatic like they're comic 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 and then to have the dramatic turn i like your casting more i think we should go with bobby moynihan and Amy Bryan. okay and, and for me my big thing is if it's a new couple who or newer couple who who just can't even get started. And a lot of people are that now. Yeah. And I feel like these two older statesmen, if you will, who had had a massive effect, both positive and negative, need yeah. to see that. I think so to, too. To bring them both down to earth. So, And I think like the concept of student debt is very, very real. Absolutely, yeah. And to have people who are just like crushed by it is... Even more yeah. real. Like, when, I'm still paying them off. Absolutely. I'm 35. <laughs> yeah. It's not unreasonable to think of that as something that's like, and just like, so many people are just teetering on the edge. They're one sickness away from utter destitution. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That's the world that we live in, and I feel like it needs to be acknowledged if we're going to bring this i mean and, and so so i think i think your casting is correct and so i i like bobby moynihan i like katie bryant okay the only other character i have now is the character played by michael pena <laughs> did you have anyone else that i'm missing uh no i mean other than like the truck driver or like some ideas for g-men you know yeah. but you know eh. uh let's talk about the michael pena character okay um did you recast the character i did not i actually thought it would fun to keep uh, be fun to keep Michael Pena. Interesting, because for the Michael Pena character, I cast Michael Pena. Oh, look at that. We're yeah. on the same page. Yes. Great. Well, especially because I think it'd be funny if it's like, it's now 14 years later, 24 years later, whatever it is, and he's like, or 22 years later, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm now on attempt 33. I just yeah. love this country. I just got, I got to get in. Yep, exactly. I, and that's I'm, all I want. I'm on the, <laughs> that, that's all I want from him. Just And it's a Michael Penny character. They can only be played by Michael Penny. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. That's, that's the, the exact conclusion that I came to is like, you can't re- recast this guy. It's, no. it's, it's too much fun. And also it's a fun nod to have this. Kind of like, eh, you know, from the original. Remember yeah. that guy? You know. No, but it's great. No. And then like, <laughs> I, I, got, I, got, I don't remember what happened to my compass, but I got lost a bunch of times. <laughs> I really needed that compass. This coat really kept me warm for years, yeah, though. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Some, it's just some in sort tatters. Of... <laughs> it's now completely black. It... Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Anyway. I just think that would be funny. I yeah. think it's a good moment of levity, but also it's still like, yeah, no, it's... Still a problem. Absolutely, I still need to get in, and I still and I, I think in a, in a lot of ways that is a huge comment on on the way things are as well. Yeah, people are getting kicked out and coming back like all the time, and mm-hmm. that, that is a huge problem, especially now that we're tearing them away from their children. Yeah, when they've been established here for for however many you know some, and, some people thirty day, years. All that is is treating the symptom and not the problem. Right, and uh, I mean, and it's hard to treat the problem, but that's what politics are for. That's what, that's what we're electing these people to do, though, yeah. is to, to fix the problem and not just kickbacks. Yeah, not just kickbacks and kickouts, because that's yep. that is that's not okay. Nope. Did you want to talk about the truck driver for a little bit? So for me, the truck driver, I just thought it would be a fun uh, cameo type role to have Kathy Bates come in. And, and play that role. Okay. Why Kathy Bates? Well, uh, I mean, she fit the bill of, of the original actress. And also, she... she She's had, still around, by the way. I mean, I she know. was in a bunch of different... Like, you see her and you recognize her instantaneously. She's in something right now that I can't... She was in Two and a Half Men. And then I think she was in... Yeah. Um, oh, she was in The Greatest Showman, wasn't she? Yes, she was. Wasn't she the bearded lady? I believe so. And she's also a recurring on something now. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head. But Because she was in The Greatest Showman, I want to say uh, American Horror Story, but I don't know if that's right. Mm, uh, it might be. Um, but for me... Oh, yeah, no. Oh, no, no. That's that's Kathy Bates. Kathy yeah. Bates is an American Horror Story. Yes, yeah. Um, so then, of course, it's... So then, yes, she's perfect. It, uh, there's that. But there's also... I, I feel like she can bring a, a broad character into it as well. Yeah, kind of an over the top. It would be fun to see her kind of do what she did in. Uh, oh God, what was that awful comedy in the mid two thousand Rat Race? That movie's so bad. I know it's and, so bad. But she was like the shining moment. In I'm that sure weird she squirrel is. lady. 
I don't remember. No, yeah, that's fine. That movie made me so mad. Yeah, it made me mad too. And like, and then ten years later, I sat down and watched. It's a mad, 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 mad world. And it's the same thing. No, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Is good. Yeah, I know. I know. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Though it's the same. It's plot. the same plot, but then it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Which and, is a and real without shame. all those amazing comedians. Yeah. Too. I mean, come on. Ugh. Yeah. There are some people who like Brat Race, but they're wrong. They are. <laughs> and if you're listening, you're I'm wrong. Sorry. You, I'm sorry. But the, I also can never talk about it because there's too many cast members we would die. Yeah. It's that, that movie, it's like, that's a movie that probably would be good to do as an episode, but there's so many things. <laughs> that would be a five hour episode. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I was hanging out with some friends last night and they were like, well, how about you could, you should redo, uh, Love Actually? I'm like, I would love to. I don't have four to five hours to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. It's too many things. There's there's just a lot that you'd have to compensate for, yeah. I guess. But I think Kathy Bates is good casting for the truck driver. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, she's kind of a nothing character. And, yeah. And I I felt like, why not go big and yeah, have a comedic moment with her? And it's Yeah. Basically, she is the setup for the Michael Penny character. Exactly. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. It's just, you get a couple of jokes. And if you really wanted to wrap it around again, you could have somebody pardoning them, pardoning her at the end. Yeah. You know, or something. Yeah. True. You know, it's just loose thrown yeah. out there. So. I, I, I think she's got what it takes. Great. You hired. So, <laughs> that leaves us with our writer-director. Do you have... Oh, and the one thing I wanted to mention, because mm-hmm. I... Do you know who played the sandwich guy at the convention who got tackled and... I do not. It was Dana Gould. No way. Yeah. So that the guy was, was like, I have a tur- ham and turkey or yeah, turkey, turkey on rice or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. He's like, I didn't order a sandwich. Oh, hey, man, I just had your sandwich. That was Dana Gould. I had no idea that was Dana Gould. Yeah. Wow. I was like, that's a weird, random fact that I like. Hey, we all got to start somewhere. Yeah. Man. Delivering sandwiches to presidents. It, it's the sort of thing where I would have been like, well, then Dana Gould is a good director, but I actually think I can, can do better for director. But... Mm. Do you have a writer-director, or do you have a writer and a director? Um, so, I had a kind of a team. I kind of do, too, in the sense that they are both writer-directors, but I picked one as the writer, one as the director. Ah, I see. Okay. Uh, but talk to me about your team. So, so for, for my team, I uh, just based on some of their past work and what this movie is, is like a comedic action-type type film, I went with David Gordon Green. As, uh, like I'm not familiar with him. Writer director. Uh, right now, his big hit is the new Halloween. Oh, but before that, he directed Pineapple Express. Um, him and Danny McBride did uh, did um, Eastbound and Down together. Right. And I feel like uh, the two of them as a team for the writer would be Danny McBride and uh, and David Gordon Green as the writers on this would be a pretty pretty good pairing as Interesting. well. Interesting. That's a fun idea. I like it. And so they're they're your team for the writers, not for the director. Uh, no, for director I had David Gordon Green, and as my writing team, I had him and Danny McBride. Got it. Got it. Got from it. East okay. Down and Down. All right. Interesting. That's a cool idea. Uh, I feel like he handles action really, really well in yeah. comedic situations because there is something absurd about, and it's almost the why he kind of transcended to horror, right. kind of naturally because there's something absurd about what you're watching that makes it funny. And I yeah. think he feels, I think he sees the absurdity in it, and I feel like he'd be a good choice to bring that absurdity out of the situation uh, where two presidents have to team up and. 
travel yeah. across the U.S. Yeah. to stop another president. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I... That's such a zany concept when you actually say it in a sentence like that is yeah, you're just pretty like, great. All right. That's that's where we're going. I like it. Um, my writer, I had Adam McKay. Mm, okay. The reason being is because he can do something like The Big Short, which is because he's very, very political. Yes. But he can also do something like Anchorman, which is very, very silly. And this is a marriage of the two of those things. Exactly. It's both political and silly. So my second choice for director was actually Adam McKay. Oh. Because I, I feel the exact same way. It's, Great. It's kind of a marriage of, of the two, the political message and also a zany comedy. Yeah. Which... And you have to walk that line. Exactly. I feel like, especially if you're going to remake this today, it has to walk this and line. And it has to be really well researched. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is something where you can't make mistakes. Oh, no. And it's all like, you, it's all what you said earlier where you got to thread that needle. Exactly. Exactly, and and there's kind of it's it's this this movie is blowing my mind. I, I can't <laughs> even find the words because it's man, it's like really really fine line that you have to walk. Yeah. And I feel like he's one of the few that can do it, and which is why I chose David Gordon Green as well because right. I feel like what he would bring into some not only with action sequences but also finding the absurdity in some of this stuff would be a perfect. And I agree with that. To further complicate things, let me tell you about my director. Oh, sorry. My director, because Adam McKay could also be a writer-director for this story. Exactly, yeah. But the other person I had who'd also be another good writer-director is a guy named Armando Iannucci. I'm not familiar with him. He does Veep. Oh, okay. He he did The Death of Stalin. Okay. I think he was tangentially related to In the Loop, which was the other political thriller I heard a bunch about. Okay. uh, So I picked him not because I'm, I mean, I'm familiar with Veep, I'm... I wanted to see the death of Stalin. Right, I haven't. Yeah, uh, as we discussed, I I had him attached to it as director. I don't know that much about him, ah. and I something just occurred to me that I want to look up. That's what I thought. Okay, hmm. Armando Iannucci is born in Glasgow to Italian parents, ah. and so I thought he'd be good as a director but not as the writer because this is such a quintessentially american movie yes that it kind of needs to be done by americans for americans agreed with that 100 percent. which actually cuts our budget in half because this is a movie that doesn't really have a global span but at the same time we're in a global world now kind of does hard to say i don't know if this has a global market or if it doesn't have a global market I mean, at this point, I think it might have a global market. Yeah. Uh, the original definitely no. kind of doesn't. Uh, that, that's definitely a very American movie. Yeah. Now, though, since all these scandals are kind of on a world stage. Yeah. And everybody's kind of looking at us like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this, this might have a, a pretty good international market now. Right. That said, I still think it should be written and directed by American people. So I yes. pulled up Armando Iannucci because he did In the Loop and Veep and The Death of Stalin, which are kind of the roadmaps for what we're trying to do. Okay. They are political comedies that are also still funny. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like we kind of got to throw them away just because, I mean, I'm sure he's lived here long enough. And if he's been doing Veep, he gets he, it. Yeah. But I don't know. I like Adam McKay. I like uh, David Gordon Green. Here's what I would do. I would have David Gordon Green and, say the other name? Danny McBride. Danny McBride. I would have that as the writing team. Okay. And I would have Adam McKay direct it. I feel like that's a strong choice. I think that's a very strong choice. Um, I really do, like, the more I think about it, I think Adam McKay is the guy for the job to direct this film. Uh, he definitely walks that 
that line. The, yeah. That political satire versus zany comedy, and I feel like that's what this movie would have to be now. Yeah. And whereas before, it kind of wasn't No, it was satirical. just silliness for silliness sake. Yeah. But was, now it, yeah. we're all so political. Yeah. Hopefully, you better all have voted. <laughs> Seriously, I want to see the stickers. <laughs> I, I, did, I already voted. I did my mail-in ballot. Oh. Well, so I'm standing in line. Oh. I always thought that like apparently the mail-in ballots get counted last, but apparently that's not true. They go in, they get counted immediately. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, I always thought they got counted last. Maybe apparently that's to... yeah. Apparently that's wrong. I need to start uh, mailing in then. I guess. Yeah, because right. let me sit there. I got to research each thing when I was doing the vote. I felt better about it. I was real sick, so hopefully I voted right. Everything's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Except I may have accidentally checked the wrong box. No, no. The, when it was like between a Democrat and a Republican, I was like, okay, the Democrat. But then like everything else was like, well, should this judge stay around? Right. Well, tell me about this proposition. Yeah. How about rent control? Yeah. That's a very California thing. It is. It's important. Um, all right, great. Are there any other roles or things that we should be talking about? I mean, I don't think so. Originally, like the original movie was a very John Peters movie in a weird way in that it, it was just kind of a a comedy yeah and i feel like it might need a, a producer's hand so i wrote down judd apatow as a potential producer just to kind of guide that you know have that hand they all kind of work together at some point how political so, is judd apatow he's pretty political. okay great yeah. I'll, I'll write that down yeah so i i figured he would be good as kind of that that guiding hand you know even if it's just an exact producer role yeah you know, somebody would be like yes or no sure yeah. That I'm not opposed to that. That's great. All right. Other than that, no, I think we covered pretty much everything. All right, cool. Let me run through this list. For President Russell P. Kramer, we have Jamie Lee Curtis. For President Matt Douglas, we have Lawrence Fishburne. For President William Haney, we have Bob Odenkirk. For Vice President Ted Matthews, we have Dean Winters. For Joe Hollis, we have Tom Cruise. The same age as Wilford Brimley when he first played... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for Kay Griffin, <laughs> we have Maya Rudolph. For Colonel Paul Tanner, we have Carrie Payton. For Carl Wittenauer, we have Dulé Hill. For our defense contractor, who probably had a name, we have Bruce Campbell. For Wayne and Jenny, we have Bobby Moynihan and A.D. Bryant. For Michael Pena's character, who also probably had a name, we have Michael Pena. For our truck driver, we have Kathy Bates. Our writers, we have the team of David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. And our director is Adam McKay. All of this will be produced by Judd Apatow. I give you 2018's My Fellow Americans. Can't wait. Sounds yeah. like a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot in this movie, but would you go see it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If this came out, I would be first in line. I think it would be a lot of fun. And I feel like it's kind of missing. Like, Veep fills a hole. Right, it does. But, but they don't make these kind of movies no. anymore. That said, two weeks from now, would you go see this movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two weeks from now, I would still see this movie. I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. If we're still anyway, go plugs go. What uh, what have you got to plug? Well, uh, for right now, plug is uh, our film Swipe Left is playing at the Oregon Scream Week, which will be the weekend of Halloween, unfortunately, after this will air. However, before this will air. I'm sorry, be- before this will air. <laughs> My spatial is all messed up. Yes. However, we will be going live with it online probably by the end of the year. So That's exciting. 
Uh, Do you have a to... website that people should go to? Yes, borderlinecriminal.com is our website. Love it. Check us out. And if people want to follow you on Twitter or Instagram? Uh, I am Kev Most Stellar on Twitter and Instagram. You can hit me up there. And Why don't I'll... you spell that just in case? <laughs> K-E-V-M-O-S-T. Ah, I... Sorry. You're doing great. I'm going to start Power through. Over. Oh, my God. So it's Kev, K-E-V, Most, M-O-S-T, Stellar, S-T-E-L-L-A-R. Love it. I right, did okay. it. I made it through. You did it. I love oh, it. Thank man. you so much for being a guest. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Um, if you want to follow the show, you should go on Twitter at Ideal Remake or on Instagram at Ideal Remake or on Facebook, Ideal Remake Podcast. Well, there's Ideal Remake Podcast and there's Ideal Remake. You should follow both because one's the, the show page and one's the fan page. You're required to have both. It's dumb. Um, but if you want to follow me, I'm at Sam Gash on Twitter, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H. That's all I got. Yeah. Well, I think that covers all of our, yeah. all of our plugs. And I sincerely hope that we're all in a better place emotionally and politically when this episode goes live. I concur. 100%. And that this episode is just a nice solve to all the pain that's going to slowly start Getting better, maybe. (laughs) It'll be the Band-Aid with Neosporin. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's what this podcast is for. Thank you so much for being a guest, Ken. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast.